You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. We're continuing this series, The Pursuit of God, okay? Um, it is called that, isn't it? You know, when you just have a moment of doubt that everything that you've written is a lie, okay? Uh, but, um, and I think w- when you think of pursuing, the two things that came to my mind was, um, was relationships, you know, some people love the chase, don't they? Uh, and then crime is the other, okay? Uh, two, two roads of pursuit. And um, some of you will have re- maybe remember the story I told of going to uh, America for the first time to a place called Portland in Oregon and um, joining a policeman for a day on a ride along and hunting for a man who was locally known as the Velociraptor. And um, it, that, that was incredible. But then I, I remembered um, uh, another story came to mind of when I was 19 years old, I got a letter through the post summoning me to court um, for jury service. And, um, you know, me at 19, I mean at 33, I'm, 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 I'm growing up, okay? Um, I haven't yet completed life uh, or maturity, uh, but um, at 19, I definitely was not ready for a very serious thing called jury service. And um, um, it, was, it was interesting from start to finish. You know what? There, there are things in life I'd love to do again um, I'd love to go to Australia. I'd love to go to America again. I would love to do jury service again, which not many people say, but I just took it all in. You know, for, for once in my life at 19, I was in charge of someone's destiny. But w- w- whether I should have been or not is, uh, is another question. But um, when, I, when I was on jury service, I, I was befriended by, I can't say I befriended, I was befriended by a lorry driver called Dave, who uh, was from Penrith, um, and, uh, you know, may one day be in our congregation, but uh, he was a 50-something-year-old lorry driver who confided in me about fixing uh, tachographs um, in his lorry, uh, confided about his um, failing marriage, and on the breaks at lunchtime, just wanted to go to Weatherspoons and drink a few pints, which is a great way to define someone's future. But Dave, Dave basically used me for a lift. It saved him driving to Carlisle as well, so I'd pick him up in my Renault Clio. We'd go to court, we'd spend the day there, and we'd go back. And as it happened, that the, the guy who was up, uh, the defendant, was also from Penrith. And uh, at the time, he ran a chip shop in Penrith. And before we knew anything about him, what he'd done, uh, Dave said, whatever they say about him, he made a lovely fish. Okay, so th- th- this, was, this was Dave, okay? And um, uh, as it happens, we found him guilty of horrendous crimes, and he went to prison for five or six years. Uh, but at the time, he made a lovely fish. And so w- there's one thing you can't do on jury service, which is any contact with the defendant in any way, shape, or form. That, that is like the, the one thing you can't do. Me and Dave happened to find ourselves in the Renault Clio in the same car park as the guy who's on trial. And Dave just says, follow that man, okay? 
So we did. So we did. Like for, he's gone left, we've gone left, we've gone right, we've gone right. And, uh, you know, and I've just got this very agitated lorry driver in the passenger seat telling me exactly what to do. I'm 19, kind of finding it amusing and going along with it. Uh, and then we eventually lost him because I drove a Renault Clio. And um, I said, Dave, what was the purpose of all of that? And he just said, I just wanted to know what sort of house he had. That, that was literally it. So and we never did find out. But I, I remember the, the thrill of the chase was exciting. It was, it was amusing. Uh, it was high adrenaline that we were on a pursuit. And I was thinking when it comes to pursuing God, that we cannot do this half-heartedly. We have to be people who enjoy pursuing God. Because if we're not here in a pursuit of God, then what is this? It's just a club. It's just a a gathering of nice people or whatever. But it isn't the purpose. The purpose is to grow in relationship with God. The purpose is to be people who want the excitement of a life pursuing God. Just like random lorry driver and a 19-year-old me were desperate in that pursuit. That we need to have so much more excitement and passion and willingness to get over the line in our pursuit of following God. But, you you know, and and today I I, want to look at the life of a guy called King Saul in the Bible. Uh, Everyone heard of King Saul? If I call him Paul today, put it down to a stutter, okay? Um, but, you know, the, there's, there's things I believe that we can learn from, from King Saul's life. Um, the, he, he was a man who made mistakes in his relationship with God, 100%. Anyone in here made mistakes? There's a few. There's a few. Come on. A couple of weeks, last week at Elevate, I made a mistake, Okay. I, uh, <laughs> I, I kicked a football and uh, it broke that, a light. <laughs> I was going to say that light, but it's not on because it's broke. And, um, and it was a mistake. I mean, what a shot, but it was, it, it was a mistake. And I, I thought after 10 years of youth ministry and breaking absolutely everything, it was the first personal time I, I'd been guilty. And, and, and I, I was honored that people, Grace was saying, say it was me. You know, people were coming out in very Christ-like fashion, which probably wouldn't have been reciprocated of uh, it was me. And I, I sent Johnny about five groveling texts in a way, uh, you know, basically saying like, you know, please love me still. And uh, we're, we're still friends. Johnny was very gracious in his reply, but we do make mistakes 100% we do. And, you know, I, I love that we're all flawed people. And I, I, think, I think God's okay with that. You know, he's not, he's not looking for perfection. But what he is looking for is a willingness to pursue him. He, he is, he's looking for moldable, soft-hearted people. People who are, who are willing to say, I haven't got this all together. This doesn't all rise and fall on me. But God, I, I want to love you. I want to serve you. I'm going to make mistakes. You're aware of that. I'm aware of that. But my end game is nothing more than just to pursue you. Uh, And we can take things from King Saul's life because I don't think that fundamentally for him, pursuing God became the main thing in his life. I've titled this message today, Kill Everything, um, which is a command to anyone who's not vegan, really. Kill everything. But, you know, before I... Um, 
Before I go at King Saul, like many other preachers, I just wanted to say this. I think we as humans and as Christians have been unkind to Saul in how we look at his life and how we reflect on him. You know, when we look at Saul, when we look at David, when we look at Solomon, uh, Saul definitely is the person I feel like we are unkind to. I think Solomon gets away incredibly lightly um, in our reflection of his life. But, but um, you know, I think we've read his life always knowing what happens next, which is not how he lived it and not how it played out in the Bible. And, uh, and we know that failure comes, and what we do is we always compare him to David. Um, um, but when I read his story, I don't think he's much different from us. You know, he sinned, we sin. He messed up, we mess up. He made bad choices, we make bad choices. He missed the point. We miss the point. And, uh, you know, his misplaced relationship with God ended with dr- drastic consequences and uh, you know, we, we, if we're not careful, we're never far off that happening to us as well. And, and I think that the story of King Saul in the Bible has been put there as a warning to us, as, as a, a highlight to us of, you know, this is what can happen. Uh, and it's interesting to me, why, why has Saul's life been defined as basically a terminal failure? Whereas King David sinned multiple times, but yet was a man after God's own heart. And I thought if we actually today unpack Saul's life a little bit, see how he started, see where it went wrong, see the conclusion, then perhaps it can help some of us in our pursuit of God today. Perhaps it can make us check ourselves, see where we are with God today. And you know, the the backdrop of the story of King Saul was he was anointed the king of Israel. The reason being was he didn't put himself up for it, but the people wanted a physical king like some of the other countries around them at the time. They wanted an established monarchy. And this wasn't Saul's choice in any way, shape or form. He didn't put himself up for it, but God actually chose him. He he was actually on the hunt at the time for some missing donkeys that belonged to his dad. We've all been there. And... um, And God totally changed the course of his life. We read in 1 Samuel 9, 15 to 16, it says, Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel, who was the prophet. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people, and he will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people, for their cry has reached me. So God chose Saul. And I think it's key that I mention this because often we think that God chose David, but God didn't choose Saul. And there was differences in their, 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 their choosing perhaps, but there was still, Saul was anointed as the king of Israel. And at the start, Saul wasn't king. It was almost like the calling of God on his life was an inconvenience to him. He, he had other things to do. He made excuses just like Gideon made excuses of, you know, I'm the weakest of the weakest. My family is useless, basically. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, how he wasn't qualified and, and all of this. And he certainly wasn't pursuing leadership. He wasn't pursuing fame. He wasn't trying to be the king. He, he was just getting on with his life when God chose him and anointed him. And it's as if God was saying to him, you know, that there is more inside of you. There is a king inside of you. There's a leader in that boy, just as God did with Gideon, just as he did with Moses, just as he did with the disciples. Yet, because of how we know it ends with Saul, 
We kind of miss him out of that list. And we, like many others in Scripture, we, we are cruel in our memory of who they are. You know, I think Martha in the Bible is remembered badly by us. He is thought about as, as not as highly favoured as her sister Mary. I think we've been uncruel to Martha's and what they can bring to us as a church. You know, without the Martha, nothing will get done. Thomas is labelled for a moment of doubt, which I'm sure every single one of us have time and time again. You know, we've been unkind, I think, to Samson and, um, you know, to push the boat out, maybe even Judas himself, that God used him. He was appointed for that time and purpose by God. And I think in our reflection of people um, like these and like King Saul, we, we often think, well, God wasn't really in it, but God had chose him to be the king. Uh, And um, it actually says about Saul that he was as handsome as any person. A bit like a young Johnny Staley. I think a head and shoulders above the rest. And in, in 1 Samuel 10, Saul has this encounter with the Holy Spirit. It says, The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. He had this encounter with God and his heart was changed. He, something happened, he was transformed. And um, you'd say, you know, he was now beginning to perhaps live in the fullness of what God had for him in that moment. And um, just like the conversion moment for us or when we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you, you have this encounter moment that is transformational. But the challenge for us, as was the challenge for King Saul, is we've got to live in that encounter moment. You know, like, God will light our fire, but sometimes we have to make a choice to choose to keep it burning. The, the, some, sometimes we, we can get stagnant in a relationship with God. We can go backwards without even knowing it. You know, in, a, in our head we're going forward, but, we, but actually in our heart we've retreated. And, um, and then it, it goes on in, in 1 Samuel 10, 24, it says, Samuel said to all the people, Do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. Then they shouted, long live the king. And uh, he then goes on and fights the, uh, the Ammonites and, and there's a great celebration. He, he's hailed as king and everything's going well with him. And the reason I've taken that bit of time to fill you in with the backdrop of who King Saul was, his reluctant start, his, his ordaining uh, being ordained by God and chosen by God it is because Saul was just as blessed, just as chosen, just as trusted in, just as spirit-filled as the rest. Yet because of the condition of his heart, he was not the man that God was looking for. And what I'm trying to get us to see today as a people is, is that actually, you know, we are all gifted, we're all chosen, we've all been called. But if the condition of our heart is not right, if our desire and our goal is simply not Jesus and nothing else, then, then we will fail in our pursuit of following God. If we set our eyes on something that is not Him, then we will not ultimately pursue Him. And I thought if, if I preach from Saul's life tonight, today instead of someone who did brilliantly, it, it might, we might actually learn more from failure than we do from success. And um, you know, Saul's life did end miserably. He did die in battle, fell on his own sword, was superseded by David. But, but do we really think it had to be like that? 
And if we can just grasp today that some of us are trapped in cycles, repeated cycles of, of mess and, and sin and things that we know isn't God's best for us. Um, some of us are angry with God. Some of us are, are living in a, a place of rebellion. Uh, you know, so, some of us have totally made this whole thing about what it was never about. That if today uh, we can use this as a springboard in our pursuit of God, I, I think it's beneficial today to realize that King Saul can help us. And you know, in his life, he begins to make errors. He, he disobeys God, um, not waiting for the prophet Samuel to return. He, he starts to think because Samuel hasn't showed up that, that he's been forgotten about. Um, and because he starts to fear that he, his men are going to die, what he does is uh, he, he panics and he, he decides he's going to bring some offerings to God. Whereas really what he should have done was just waited for Samuel to arrive and trust that God was not going to let him die, that, that actually he, he should have just been obedient. Uh, and Samuel tells him at that moment, Saul, that's it really. You know, God, God now is looking for someone else. He's looking for a man after his own heart. But, but Saul was so kind of blinded by, I, I'm the king. You know, what had happened to him was he'd been flattered by the people. And, and the thing with flattery is it, it builds us up to sometimes the point of blindness. And, uh, and with, with King uh, Saul, he, he was so flattered that he kind of just thought, you know what, I can make a quick apology to God and all will be okay. But there was never any sincerity in what he did. And, and then what he does is he decides randomly, and can I say, when I say this, you're, I am glad I wasn't in his army because what he decided to do was starve his people, Okay. Not good news. And the reason was he, he thought they'd be more productive if they didn't waste time eating. But of course, um, fair point, I guess. I don't know if uh, Johnny, you've ever thought that with the guys at work. Cut the lunch break, more production. But, um, you know, I think they call it slavery in today's um, kind of uh, way of looking at things. But um, so, 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 and of course, the, the people like rebel against him because they're hungry, as would I. Um, so then he kind of says, like, pulls out the spiritual card of, all right then, well, if you're going to eat, let's at least sacrifice to God properly. Let's at least do it uh, properly. And, you know, after all this chaos, all this disunity between him and his men, it says in 1 Samuel 14:35, then Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first time he'd done this. And this bothers me. You know, this was the first time he'd done this. You know, this is the God's chosen king of the people of Israel. He's fighting battles all the time. And at just this moment, he's like, oh yeah, <laughs> better, better do something. And decides at that moment to build an altar. And then it goes on in 1 Samuel 14, 36. Saul said, let us go down and pursue the Philistines by night and plunder them till dawn. And let us not leave one of them alive. Do whatever seems best to you, they replied. But the priest said, let us inquire of God here. Someone else had to remind him that he needed to inquire of God. Now, you know, it, it doesn't take Inspector Frost or Inspector Morse or uh, Gadget or whoever else uh, to realize there's a few warning signs in Saul's behavior here. You know, he, he, late on in the journey, he's just building the first altar to God. He's making decisions left, right, and center, and someone else is having to pull him up and say, hey, do you think we should pray? Do you think we should inquire of God? And, you know, you know, the same Saul who disobeyed 
God is telling his men off for not sacrificing animals right. And then he's like, you know, coming in late with the, the building of the altar and all of this. And um, I was just thinking, if, if we are forever having to be reminded by someone else to get on with our pursuit with God, then I would encourage you that we need to be people who strengthen ourselves in the Lord. You know, we can pull you so far, but it is not going to carry you through the journey of life. If someone is forever having to say to you, hey, have you prayed about that? Oh, no. No, I go to church every single week and I hadn't really twigged. You know, if, if, if that is how you live your life, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying it will not be enough to get you through. That, that if, if we are going to be people who want to pursue God, we wholeheartedly, we have to sometimes get down on our knees and pray. Sometimes we, we just need to open the Bible without the prompting and the reminder. We shouldn't have to set a reminder on your phone to say, read the Bible today. Uh, so we just got to be people who are hungry and desperate to pursue more of who God is. And you know, the picture that I'm getting of Saul is a man who's never wrong, uh, who has an answer for everything, who will justify every action, and basically he does whatever he wants. And when things don't quite go to plan, what he does is he panics and seeks God. Um, the, the relationship with God was not his first thought. It's an afterthought. Uh, and what, what I summarize is Saul's completely missed the point. You know, God then gives Saul another chance because God is a, a gracious God. And he says to him in 1 Samuel 15 verse 3, Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death the men and the women, the children, the children, uh, and infants. Um, it happens. It was different times, people. Um, cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys. Basically, the command from God was kill everything. Kill absolutely everything. And what we read, 1 Samuel 15, 15 to 23 Saul answered, the soldiers brought back them from the Amalekites, um, brought them back from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Um, and then Samuel says to him, enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites, wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what? They devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. What a sad state of affairs that is. All he had to do was kill everything. 
All he had to do was obey the word of God, and yet he couldn't even do that. It was like, I will obey God within my own parameters. <laughs> and you know, we, we as Christians, we're not called to obey God within our own comfortability, within our own parameters. We're, we're called to simply obey the word of God. You know, Saul moves from a place of being God's chosen man to being rejected as king. And it has absolutely everything to do with the condition of his heart. You know, I feel sorry for him because he just simply, for whatever reason, didn't get it. He just simply couldn't see that he'd done anything wrong. He was in denial. He was blinded. And I think above that, he just didn't pursue the relationship with God. It just wasn't a priority for him. But can I say, none of those sentences from when Samuel says, enough, and then just tells him straight, this is how it is. None of, none of that has to happen. If Saul had just got down on his knees and said, like, God, I am so sorry. God, I, I repent. God, will you forgive me? Like, you know, uh, uh, with all sincerity was just like, I have messed up. You are God. I want that relationship with you. Don't abandon me, God. You know, the things we see David saying, if, he, if Saul had just been like, oh, God, I... I I messed up, but this is what separates Saul from David. David's sin brought him back to God. Saul's sin took him away from God. And I want to ask this morning, where is our sin driving us? Where is it taking us? If you're in a, a place of knowing that you're trapped in a cycle that isn't God's best for you today, is there something within you wanting to justify it? And say, well, there's a reason for it. And it's, you know, it's not forever. It's just for a season and, um, or whatever. Like the King Saul route. Oh, we like David and saying, God, I just need you. I just need to come back into a relationship with you. God, I, I know I've messed up. I know this isn't the best. I feel trapped in this. Will you help me, God? Will you give me wisdom of how to get out of this situation? And, um, you know, maybe... I don't know if you've ever thought, but some of the drama that surrounds you in life, would it just look slightly different if, unlike King Saul, we just sought God? We just came before him. You know, this isn't a rocket science preach today. You know, this isn't something new, but it's just biblical truth. Of If we just seek God, perhaps would it eradicate a total load of rubbish that we waste so much time, effort, conversations on, stuff that's totally irrelevant in our pursuit of God, perhaps some of our insecurities, our problems, the cycles that we, we feel that we're in, perhaps they could be avoided if we just chose to inquire of God, if we just chose to seek him in the quiet places, if we just put our hands up and said, God, I just need you. I just need relationship with you. If we just made pursuing him the goal of our life. You know, sin usually brings two responses from people. One is the King Saul, we justify it. And the second is the King David, we repent of it. And Saul's downfall was that he tried to justify sin. But for some of us, we're so justified in our sin that, that what, what's, going to, what's it going to take for us to realize that actually this isn't going to end well? That actually for some of us, this is car crash prevention today, that there are things that you are doing, things that you are entering into, that it's not going to end well. You know, when Samuel says to Saul, enough, perhaps that's a word for us today at church, enough. 
You, you know, enough of the excuses, enough of playing church, enough of just pretending, enough of the ego, just enough. You know, when, when, when Samuel reminds Saul that he was chosen and he was once small in his own eyes, he's asking him, what's all gone wrong? When did this become about what it was never about? And we, we need to get to a place this morning of realizing we've messed up, you know, realizing that we're not perfect and we need to choose to turn the page and just go on the pursuit of God, something that King Saul never did. You know, King Saul had the encounter, but he did not have the relationship. He, he sinned and then tried to be super spiritual uh, in the hope that, you know, it, it would get away from, you know, he'd get away with it. And the thing is that over a few thousand years, things haven't perhaps changed too much. You know, we, we sometimes will make sure we're here on a Sunday, make sure that we put something in the offering or whatever, but all the time just hoping someone doesn't really ask the question, where are you at? Well, today I'm asking the question, where are you at? You know, where are we hiding? Where are we, what are we running from? What's got a grip on us? What needs to be dealt with? What do we need to bring to God today and leave with him? How much do we want it? You know, the, the thing with any pursuit is, like I said, you've got to want it. How much do we want it? Do we desire relationship with Jesus above everything? You know, the final blow for Saul was that, um, and what ripped the kingdom from him was that he didn't kill everything. You know, per perhaps God has said that there are things in your life that need to go. And you're like, God, I'll give you this. I'll give you this. I'll give you this. But I need this. You can't take that. Uh, and perhaps the simple word, if you hear nothing else from this message today, is this. We need to kill everything. You know, please don't take that literally, by the way. Otherwise, we've got a massacre on the streets today. But... But you hear what I'm saying, like in, in our hearts, that there are things that need to die. There are things that we, we need to just lose. There are things that, you know, that we're holding on to that actually if we release to God, it would bring breakthrough alone in our family. Sometimes we're praying for breakthroughs and miracles and, and God's like, you need to let go. <laughs> you, you need to stop holding on to that. You know, I'd, I'd love to move, but someone's locked the door. <laughs> someone's holding the other side like this. God, will you come in? <laughs> you know, we, we need to say, God, I, I'll let you in. Just read this in 1 Samuel 15, verse 30. Saul replied, I have sinned. That, so he, there's a confession. You know, I've messed up. But he says to Samuel, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. And then it says in 1 Samuel 15, verse 35, until the day Samuel died, he did not go to see Saul again, though Samuel mourned for him, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king of Israel. That is a terrible sentence. You know, Samuel mourned for him, and the Lord regretted he had made Saul king of Israel. There is no more painful end than that, I don't think. And it's just sad that I have sinned. But if it's okay with you, will you just come and honor me in front of my people so as, you know, we can all celebrate and worship together, you know? And the, this is a man who was just literally just didn't get it, was just trapped in these cycles. And I, I, I'm encouraged when I read the Bible that there are so many people like Saul who messed up repeatedly, yet the outcome is different. 
It didn't have to end like it did. You think of Peter in the Bible who denied Jesus three times. uh, And yet, literally, you know, at at the resurrection moment, um, in Mark 16, it says this, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples, I'm Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. You know that that Peter, that God knew Peter's heart. He knew he was a moppet, but he he, he knew that he loved the Lord. And, And therefore, you know, at the resurrection moment, he's like, you need to go and tell the disciples, and you need to especially tell Peter. You know, he needs to do some business with me today. And God comes and restores Peter in that moment. It doesn't have to end like it did with King Saul. You know, Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Do my work. You know, we've all been, everything that we have done has been paid for by Jesus. And the challenge for us is, why do we shackle ourselves Why do we choose to limp when we can run? In our pursuit of God, why do you carry around the biggest bag of rubbish or push the wheelbarrow up the hill when you've been released from it? You have been released from it by the precious blood of Jesus. Hey, let's just get the band back to the stage um, because I'm I'm done. And I don't know if anyone's taking notes tonight, but this morning, um, but... I've written 14 things. Um, um, Believe me, I've written a lot more. Um, And they're really simple things. These are things that I think we can learn from Saul's life. And they're in no particular order because they just came to me as they came to me. But the first one is this. Ceremony doesn't cut it. Okay? Image doesn't cut it. Sacrifice alone doesn't cut it. Status won't cut it. Self-centered religion won't cut it. Busyness won't cut it. Greatness won't cut it. Having followers won't cut it. Trust in someone else's God won't cut it. Power trips definitely don't cut it. Reliance on a past calling won't cut it. Reliance on one's own strength won't cut it. Half apologies don't cut it. And reliance on a single encounter won't cut it. Do you know why? Because God wants our heart. It's that simple. You're not bothered about how many people are coming in behind you. He just wants you. He just wants your heart. He wants you to follow him wholeheartedly. He wants you to pursue him. He wants you to obey him. He wants to be number one. He wants you to say, you're my God. You know, when I was thinking, what? What is the difference between King David and King Saul? What does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? You know, a man or a woman after God's own heart honors the Lord. You know, Saul was more concerned with his will than God's will. You know, David knew God's will was more important. Even when he didn't follow it, even when he went away from it, he still knew that that God's will was most important. A man after God's own heart enthrones God as king. You know, for Saul, Saul was king. For David, God was king. You know, both David and Saul knew that 
sacrifice before a battle was key, but Saul would sacrifice before a battle almost as like a lucky charm, hoping that God would therefore come through for him. Whereas David would sacrifice before a battle because he just wanted to worship God. He wanted to honor God. He wanted to enthrone him. For Saul, you know, the goal was that he was king. For David, the goal was that he knew that God was king. You know, a a person after God's heart has a soft, repentant heart. When Saul was confronted with his sin and when Samuel tried to point it out, he would make excuses. He, He would try and reason with him. When David was confronted with sin, he confessed it openly to God, said, I have messed up. Will you please forgive me? And you know, a person after God's own heart loves other people. You know, Saul became very bitter towards those that were following him, very angry, very self-centered if he didn't get his own way. But when David was down and out, he still loved to serve people. He still wanted to be around people. Uh, You know, those who were even more down and out than him, he he would understand that, that he would come down to their level and he would love people and he would serve people. He wasn't trying to be high and mighty. He was king, but God was king. He just wanted to obey his will. And just as we close today, I I just want to give an opportunity to, for us just to worship God and to do business with him and to maybe come before him and just say, God, I've messed up. God, my pursuit of you has been so at my own agenda. God, I've made this about things it was never meant to be about. And today we can just come before him and just once again, just make him king. Say, you know, like I said about flattery before and and pride, you know, it says in the Bible, pride puffs up, doesn't it? And sometimes we can be prideful, whereas we we need to make God sovereign king in this place and acknowledge his lordship. I tell you, when we do that, the presence of God comes in. When we say, God, you're king, when we're not trying to push for something else, And you know, today, if you're feeling like there's a bridge between you and God and that you can't approach him, you need to remember that your sin was paid for by Jesus. That there is no bridge or separation between you and God. What you need to do is just run towards him. Just come and say, God, will you love me today? God, I'm so sorry. You need a soft, repentant heart. For some of you, you know that you're doing things that isn't God's best for you. You know, this isn't, this isn't a warning, but maybe it is. I, I, I want to say, how close to the edge can you walk without falling off? How, how far are you willing to push things before disaster happens when you could just walk safely in the arms of God? Why, why do we sometimes need to reason and, uh, and push boundaries that have been put there for protection, been put there out of a place of love? And, uh, and, and today... Perhaps you just need to do some reworking in you. So what we're going to do... Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.